Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today, we've got another remote episode uh, coming to you. Today, we're going to be talking about managing faith and fear during this crazy time that we're living in right now. Yeah, we're going to take a look at some of the prayers, uh, some of the scripture verses, and some of the things that you could do to manage the fear and anxiety that you're most likely fear, uh, feeling during this pandemic. Uh, we're also going to give you some examples and some tips on how to get the most out of attending Mass online, as we are all forced to do right now. And then we're also going to share some things that the Church is doing for us right now in the way of indulgences and special permissions that we are, are granted during this pandemic. And I'm very grateful to God that Father Michael Nixon from the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee, one of my dearest friends and brothers from the seminary at St. Vincent de Paul Regional Seminary in the state of Florida, is with us. Michael, welcome, brother. And I'd like to begin this episode with a scripture from Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I shall say it again, rejoice. Your kindness should be known to all. The Lord is near. Have no anxiety at all, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I think this is very fitting as we enter into the fullness of this week, beginning with Laetare Sunday, considering that we are rejoicing. And what is the cause of rejoicing? In authority over sin, death, and division. So. As we begin this episode, realize that we join together in the bond that bonds us all, the bonds of faith. And faith can surpass everything that holds us back as an obstacle. And right now, we've got a lot that we're facing. Thank you for that. That's a that's an excellent verse to start this out with. Again, like you mentioned, uh, we got Father Michael with us, um, a, fe a fellow Florida priest. Uh, Father Nixon, you're kind of you're almost a priest who lives in constant state of crisis. Um, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what you experienced 18 months ago and how that is still impacting you and compounding what you're going through. We're all going through now. Yeah, it's it's a joy to, to uh, finally be on the show. It's been a lifelong dream of mine. Uh, <laughs> um, as a kid, I told my parents I wanted to be on the Catholic talk show, and they're like, "What the heck is that?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I want to be on it one day." So, <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, great to be here. So, I'm a pastor of St. Dominic Parish here in Panama City, Florida, and um, so now however many months ago october 10 2018 we were devastated by hurricane michael i know you guys have been uh supporting us and giving us shout out shout outs and, and um you know and just you know really encouraging us during this our very slow long process of rebuilding you might actually hear some some trucks and stuff going by i'm, I'm here at st john the evangelist rectory uh, which is the parish next door to us where our uh, rectory in our church was you know pretty much decimated and uh, their church did okay, the rectory did okay, but their school was decimated. So they're rebuilding the school right now while we're rebuilding our church. And um, so anyway, we're, we, we've been, uh, it's it's just been insanity since then, since October 10th, 2018. And uh, now we're just kind of in a new, the next level of it uh, that everyone's in at the same time. But the cool thing about this this uh, thing, is kind of like a weird slow moving hurricane, this, this coronavirus thing, is that at least we still got, you know, electricity and, uh, you know, you know, you can actually contact each other, which is pretty great because we didn't have that after the storm. Yeah. Yeah, what are some of the experiences that you, you were able to learn after having your parish completely destroyed 
and how they apply to what it is you're doing now. I'm sure you had to adapt a lot your your worship life for your community, uh, for your own internal life as a priest. Uh, what are some lessons that everyone can learn from that? Because you went through one major catastrophe and now you're in it again. So I don't know if, you know, maybe you're, maybe the Pharaoh of Egypt, you got five more coming or whatever, but uh, <laughs> I hope, I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> no. And, and I think the, the thing that, that we're definitely, um, not that we have learned, but we are learning is for leadership to be, you have to have active leadership. In a sense, you have to uh, adapt to the actual needs that are in front of you because it's easy to just try to go back to what's comfortable, what I, what we know. But the reality for us following the storm is we didn't know anything about a uh, major aid distribution um, to thousands and thousands of people in, that were already pretty poverty stricken in our area in Bay County, but even more so after a Category 5 hurricane. But to recognize that that was the need in front of us to, to respond to that. So to try to be... Um, you know, kind of recognize that what's out in front of you is is, is different than maybe what, what's behind you or what you're used to doing. And so I think the tendency and, and the temptation is always just try to get back to doing it exactly the way I did it before, because that's comfortable. Uh, but instead to be to recognize, OK, what's the Holy Spirit? God God is is calling us to be faithful in this present time, uh, what's in front of us right now. So I think you're seeing a lot of priests do that with the online masses, with with trying to still reach out to parishioners in creative ways and still try to connect people and um bring the the gospel which is always incarnational and sacramental which is difficult across a, a, a tv screen or a, a, a computer screen but to still try to seek to do that the best way that we can i have to say that you know i have said this to father michael next to many 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 times but when he went through with his community that devastating storm hurricane michael i shared with him immediately just you know how i just knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that that you were chosen father michael to to lead people through such devastating times. And I've got to say as your brother priest, but even just as a Catholic and, and one who was viewing from afar, um, you know, trying to support you every way that I could, but you were such an inspiration to me, brother, and, and how you handled that and how you continue to handle that because it is a slow process of recovery. And, you know, when we're dealing with devastations, when we're dealing with hurricanes and storms and, you know, the rough situations that we face in life, I think being able to pivot and meet the most immediate need is everything. And taking up leadership to meet the immediate need of people in your local area is key. And I know Delacrosse, you went through the terrible, the, the flooding that experienced in Houston. And you also, my brother, you were a huge inspiration to me watching you respond to the immediate needs. I'm wondering, Delacrosse, can you share briefly what, what you experienced in the devastation of the floods in, in Houston? Yeah, I mean, just like all the other stories that you guys have heard from me, um, I was not planning on doing this at all. Uh, I got stuck over at my brother's house, and we were walking up to the store. This is uh, at, during the outset of the flood where I realized that I could not get home. And my, my truck was going to be safe. I just couldn't get out of where I was. So I walk up to the store, and I see a friend of mine with a you know 10-ton army truck that's six feet up off the ground and crazy rick good old crazy, crazy rick yeah and and he was just simply driving to the store and we were heading back to my house i said bye to my brother and everything. we were heading back to my house because i knew i could get there then we saw all these people in need and then I, once once my phone popped up all these people were worried about me because i was joking around my brother the night before and people read a post a different so anyways i'm like hey i'm fine here are all these people. We're driving in this truck. This looks like a safe zone. Da, 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 da. 
next thing I know, people were just like, how can I support you? Mm. And that day we started literally picking people up from their houses, which were about to be flooded, putting them in the back of the truck and driving them to safety. And so automatically I got tied into the community and the needs of the community immediately. And you're just like, okay, uh, we can do something here. And, um, you know, for the next, I don't know, week, we were uh, pulling people out of their houses. We had uh, boats that were the fan boats that were driving in, picking people up. We were communicating through an app. Um, and, and then the next two or three weeks, needs just kept surmounting of going in and demoing houses that had water damage because we didn't want people living in mold. And man, you saw this whole community come out. I'm talking everybody came out of the woodworks. I mean, there were just massive, massive community efforts so to help people. Makes, and what's that's, that? That's what makes this situation so different is that in this situation, yeah. everyone has to be isolated. Now, in no, what I was going to say in finishing was that these people were in isolation. They didn't know where to go. And so some of the, the most beautiful experiences that we had were we were sharing they were sharing, you know, like when we took down, uh, you know, a, a piece of wood that had everybody's names on it and how they grew up, you know, we cried with people, yeah. you know, we, we, we shared their lot. They shared their lives with us, but we were complete strangers just helping them out. So now I have to, I have to share like both of, both of you inspired me and inspired a response for me digitally. I wasn't able to be there with you. But that inspiration happened in my own heart. And I know for a fact firsthand from the community members of the Diocese of St. Augustine that drove out to meet Father Michael's community. I know for a fact that people in San Diego and all throughout the state of Florida and all throughout the country responded when Ryan Delacrosse was doing these things online. And right now, I agree with you, Ryan Shield. There, there is a difference. A lot of people are quarantined. A lot of people are isolated. But at the same time, even as a priest right now, I'm receiving so many emails and social media posts of responding collectively with such positivity, prayer, and proactivity to actually get involved in whatever way that they can, even if it is from a place of quarantine. So there's a healthy generation of community response. But what we need to do is dig in more deeply. And that's why I'm excited about what you've prepared for this show, Ryan Shield. And, and to really dig into, like, what can a Catholic do, one, prayerfully, but also proactively in the community? I think also the underlying point here, too, I, I heard it from you, Father Mike, Michael, and, you know, from you, Father Rich, is that this pivot, this idea of pivoting, this idea of spiritually opening yourself up to the Lord in a very new and different way. These are, these are really, these are very, spiritually speaking, these are very very difficult times, but there are also times where we we consider growth in circumstances that we're in, and I think that's where a lot of the things that we're going to cover with you, I think that you know it'll help people to contextualize. Yeah, that's a good point that that you pulled that up is that it is pivoting right now. You can't go to mass like normal. You can't get the sacraments. Um, you can't be in community right now. The only community is like what we're having right now digitally uh, besides, you know, your immediate family or whoever you are in place with. Um, and there's also a lot of people who this is really a terrifying situation for them. I know, Father Rich, that you have uh, members of your own parish who are really in very bad shape from uh, COVID-19. Um, it's terrifying. Yeah, we have 
it, it's ter- it's terrifying and it's becoming more alarming. I, I had a number of phone conversations today with people that have expressed in words that this is real. This is a real situation. And it's starting to really sink in to the minds and hearts of people in my community because we have over five cases that I know of in our local community within walking distance of my parish that people are affected by the coronavirus. Just yesterday, I found out that one of my parishioners and who is just absolutely involved every day at the parish in different respects, he's a Knight of Columbus, his wife is a part of our counting team, elector, they're so involved uh, but unfortunately, right now he's intubated in in, uh, in in the hospital, and I couldn't even visit him. He's on and a- I had to pivot. Yeah, he's he's on a ventilator, and I had to pivot, you know, pretty quickly um, to be able to figure out how we could best serve. And he was crying out for the Knights of Columbus, his brothers, to pray and to help. And then he was crying out for the parishioners to please pray. And we jumped on a a, a Facebook Live post and prayed the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. And, and encouraged and inspired the plenary indulgence that I know we're going to go into a greater depth on in the show. Um, and then afterwards, I called him on the phone, told him that over 100 people prayed. Now about 400 people have prayed the Chapel of Divine Mercy specifically for him. And then I got on the phone with him and guided him through general absolution at the bishop's uh, you know, approval. And... And I prayed healing from outside because I couldn't even go inside the hospital, which was very painful for me as a priest. Um, You know, and it's something that you never imagine, you know, having to do pastorally when you're when you're preparing in the in the the seminary to kind of offer general absolution at a hospital that you can't get into because of quarantine. Yeah, I don't think they trained you for that. Um, Father Michael, has that impacted your parish at all yet? Um, not, not directly. Um, again, and I'm sure as, as we, as we will continue to find out, um, just as more testing becomes available, how many cases we actually have. Um, I know father Kevin McEwen, who's the pastor here at St. John the Evangelist, where we live now, we live in community with him here at the rectory, um, where he's had, a, um, two, two cases that he's been dealing with. One was suspected coronavirus and, and, and another visit as well over at the hospital. And a lot of, just very intensive precautions and everything kind of having to go into that where um, the shoes that he used are, are, are left outside and everything. But it is, it, it kind of brings about just, just for me recognizing how important and how much we took for, take for granted, you know, that like the incarnational aspect of our faith touch is such mm-hmm. a huge thing as far as reaching out, you know, that healing hand, um, yes. you know, the, 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 um, the epiclesis calling down the Holy spirit and the, both in the sacraments, but also just in general prayer. Um, and, and, uh, even just that human aspect is so essential to our faith. So in a sense where that's taken from us, um, for, and for good, for good reason. And, and obviously, you know, best of intentions can still spread the coronavirus, um, that, that we're still called to how we reach out to and, and love people and support them, particularly those who are, who are, are really on the brink. And I'm thinking too of those that were already, isolated already, you know, um, you know, those in nursing homes and other places too, where our, our care ministry can't go visit people, our prison ministry, uh, that was really active. We're not able to go visit our guys in prison right now. Um, guys, people that were already feeling that isolation that, I mean, it, it becomes that much more acute for them. Yeah. I, I can only imagine that you're dealing with a lot of your parishioners fear, um, mm-hmm. and anxiety. Cause I know that in times like this, people really rely on their priests, and I'm sure that's got to be weighing you down both as well. Um, 
So we wanted to talk about some things that people can do to kind of manage their fear and to really cast their fear um, away from themselves and so that they are, number one, it's better for them, but also that they can then pass that on to other people. Um, I wanted to share one, one of my favorite Bible verses. That's 1 Peter 5, 7. Uh, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. It's such a simple verse. And how often do you hear, like, God cares for you? It just seems so tender and father-like as opposed to the, you know, the burning bush or the majestic voice on Sinai. Just cast your worries on him because he cares for you. Um, so what are some of the things that you Go ahead, Ryan. Uh, I'm just saying there, there's a lot of there's a lot of layers to the the concerns and the anxiety that people are experiencing. One is just this complete unknown cultural or worldwide phenomenon, and and the fear that you you could you could um, assess from that. Also, I've I've been hearing from people who you know have parents who are you know have respiratory issues and they're not able to care for them and are scared that if they go over there, if they had the virus, that they could harm them and even, you know, kill them, you know, with, with this. And you've also got people who are worried about um, work and, and their jobs. And, and then, you know, you have people who are worried they're not going to have enough food or supplies or, you know, there are so many different layers to this that it's so easy to attach yourself to one and then another and then another like fear just, it, 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 it just dissolves your soul into so many different things. And it could right now, as opposed to just fear of losing your mother or, you know what, it just, there's just so much that one could get, I think, attract with uh, spiritually. And, and believe me, a lot of this stuff is meritorious. You know, it's, it's a difficult time. Fear totally cripple us and you're absolutely right delacrosse i mean it's it's just so and it can kind of have a domino effect and the fears continue to abound and amplify the emotional response of just literally being rendered absolutely crippled and practically dead even though you're alive and i think the readings coming up this weekend are fascinating to me for this upcoming Sunday liturgy that we're that we're anticipating as a community of faithful, it's it's Christ's authority over death, and He's raising His friend Lazarus from the grave. And all of the scriptures reflect on the the fact that the grave doesn't have control over us when we are rooted in our faith and the promise of Jesus Christ. But fear is a real thing, and I know when I took. Uh, you know, leadership here at the parish at St. John Paul II, Pontevedra, I had a number of things that I had to face and encounter that really struck me deeply. And I had a lot of fear. And in fact, the, the image behind me, I'm going to duck out of the way to show you because this is, this is a beautiful, uh, a beautiful painting. And it's just these, this overgrowth here. I'll get out of the way, Delacroix. Look, look a little bit closer. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like that road in St. Augustine. It does. Yeah. It looks like the road right behind the mission grounds in St. Augustine. And, and it's cool because it's like the light at the end of the tunnel. And, and, you know, right now we're in the darkness, man, and we're, we're moving through it, but it's like a birthing canal. It's like the, we're going to be reborn through this suffering, the, the birth pangs that St. Paul talks about in the scriptures. It's like, we're going through this rebirth, but I'm curious to find out a little bit more in depth, uh, Father Michael, you know, what was your experience going into a parish at St. Dominic's? One, having to take up leadership, but two, especially the fears associated with the storm. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, I definitely think that that what it's for myself personally, and then also for the parish uh, as well. I've been here for for a couple of years already as as the pastor when um, when um, Hurricane Michael hit. But it kind of it, it to me brings back to like what's our foundation, you know? Because I think so often we can find our foundation in in stuff that can quite easily be taken away and 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 stuff you know that seemed permanent you know like my, my church building my parish hall seemed pretty permanent it'd been there for a while and it didn't seem like it was going anywhere uh, but then all of a sudden it's all taken away from you and like the programs that we had built up the stuff that was in a sense that that i kind of you know helped me to feel good about myself as as a priest and a pastor like oh this many people have gone through this program or this many people have are have participated um, but in a sense where all that's taken away that it, for me, it kept coming back to the one thing that we had left as a parish was the mission, the mission of Jesus Christ, which that continues, you know, and, and then in a sense, Jesus didn't say go out into the world and, you know, build a bunch of buildings and say, go out into the world, do lots of, again, buildings are important, beautiful churches, you know, architecture, all that's huge and important. But the essential thing is he says, go and, and preach the gospel, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. In a sense, those things can still continue. Um, teaching them, you know, that, that can still continue, um, even without, uh, whatever the circumstances they've, they've happened, like it's happened in worse circumstances than we're in right now. And, uh, will continue to happen too, if, if we're faithful to, uh, to, to the, the invitation of the Lord. Yeah, I, I think about the, um, the China, the Japanese church, um, in the 1500s, uh, at first missionaries were able to get into the country and they established a very strong Catholic community. And then all Western missionaries were expelled from the country for like 200 years. And for 200 years, there was no sacramental ministers in the entire um, island or nation of Japan. And they had this underground church that still subsisted, kept the faith. And the only reason they even knew about the Eucharist is because their father's father's father had received it once. And they just waited. Mm-hmm. They, and they, they, they kept the faith without any of the sacraments or any priests. Wow. And when, when they finally let the priests back in, um, the, it was, I think it was, uh, it was the Jesuits, and they went back in and they found these communities and they had maintained the faith for hundreds of years without any buildings, without any sacraments. So it is possible. We are very comfortable and very lucky to be in the situation that we have been in in our country, but you know, as you're going through this experience, try to think of the other people in throughout the history of the church who have went through much more difficult situations and the church has survived through it. So there, there's hope there in all of that. I just got back from um, just a couple of weeks ago, a mission trip in Peru. I was there with um, uh, Focus um, uh, Missions, Fellowship Catholic University students and, and a group from Ball State out of Ball State, Indiana. And we were there for just a week. Um, working in Pamplona and in, in the outskirts of Lima and uh, building uh, concrete stair staircases there in this basically shanty town. And um, and we celebrated mass there on Sunday. And it was the first time they've had mass in two years. And uh, I remember sharing that with my um, with my community, my, my parish, St. Dominic, when I got back and people just like kind of you can like kind of an audible kind of gasp or groan, you know, from people we get, you know, and, and again, we, we, we've we've struggled with um, not having a church building and still having mass and we're in mass doing mass in a tent now we didn't have all the mass times that people were used to we finally came back with the early morning mass recently and people are just coming back to saint dominic because they got the mass that they like and and you know i, I totally understand that but again when you're kind of faced with 
with uh, just the reality of, of people that hunger for the Eucharist and have no opportunity at all, just how blessed we are. You know, if we really, and if we really took seriously what it is we receive, and maybe this is an opportunity for us to rediscover that for all the spiritual communions that people are going to have to make, um, you know, to recognize, man, we should be, able, I, sh I should be willing to walk over broken glass in order to get to, to the Eucharist. And sometimes I'm, 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 even as a priest, I can be pretty, pretty lazy or, or, or um, just ungrateful for the gifts that we have. So one of the, I think one of the saints we wanted to talk about today that uh, there's a few things we want to talk about, about dealing with anxiety and fear. Um, I don't know. Do either of you know much about St. Dimpta? Besides my grandmother having a medal and knowing that, uh, you know, she was praying St. Dimpta because she was really cultured uh, from her parish in New York City. Uh, with devotion to St. Dimpna. I know that there's, uh, there's connections to anxiety and then also, you know, psychological disorders and, and other uh, conditions of the mind um, as it relates to St. Dimpna. Yeah, she's the patron saint of those struggling with anxiety. Um, so mm -hmm. during this time, I, I think it's a good saint to look to now. Her story is really tragic. You can look it up, but essentially she was the victim of uh, she was murdered by her father who suffered from psychological disorders from grief. And because of that, she became um, invoked for anxiety and fear. There's a chaplet. It's called the Chaplet of St. Dimphna. It's kind of like a, like a sacrifice beads. It's three sets of five beads and then two other beads. And it's a really simple way to pray when you're feeling anxiety to this patron. Say, I'm going to put the link um, below this video. Uh, so you can learn how to pray that chapel. You can play it, pray it on your rosary. Uh, it's a very simple prayer, um, but really a great saint to seek their intercession for right now. Um, another one that I really love is the, the Jesus prayer or the breath prayer. And mm -hmm. this comes out of the East. Now, this is, I, I would even say, and a lot of scholars would say that the rosary developed from the breath prayer. That was the first you know, time that Christians were using beads to track their prayers um, and it's really simple, but it's incredibly calming because it's number one, it uses your physio physical body as well as prayer and gets them into unity, uh, to constantly pray and worship God, but also control your body. And it's called the breath prayer because you say the first half of it as you breathe in and the second half as you breathe out. So it'd be Lord Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I found that that is one of the most calming prayers, and I say it nearly constantly. I know it's an Eastern practice, but it's growing in the West. But I've been doing that for, for years now. I find myself just doing it constantly as a way to always pray and always have calm and peace. I think it's really important, to, especially now, is to take time uh, and, and to sit and to pray. You know, because we really don't have a lot going on. I was texting my wife. I'm like, hey, do we got anything going on over here? She's like, LOL. Like, we got nothing going on. I'm like, it's true. Like, I mean, I, I can find time to pray during the day, you know, like, you know, we're not going anywhere. So uh, I want to add uh, Mary Undoer of Knots. So if you're struggling from this and you're knotted up in your heart and there's something that's just unbearable, there's a nine day novena. You almost get, immediate relief from it. I mean, when you start it and your intentions are to go through it, um, really beautiful. I've heard so many miraculous stories uh, from that.
I have a testimony from that as well. When I moved out to San Diego, I was going through a lot of turmoil. And it literally the first day that I started that novena, so much was undone. And I'm so grateful for the ministry of Pope Francis sharing that beautiful devotion around the world. Incredible devotion that brings a ton of consolation right off the bat. So I'm a big advocate for that. And I've got to share the, the Jesus prayer. Jesus, son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I, that was one of the first mantras that I learned as when I went through my reversion. And, you know, that prayer became an immediate source of great consolation. And I remember sharing that with atheist friends that I grew up with and they were going through whatever. And I was just like, yo, man, you need to try this prayer. This, try, this prayer is incredible. Give it to them. And they were me back and they'd be like, yo, Richie, man, that, that prayer is unbelievable. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm on right now. Yeah. And then, and then oh, one of yeah, my like, oh, about. Richie found Jesus. Richie <laughs> found Jesus. <laughs> well, and, and I would say too, just kind of um, going going deep with that, that what this this time really helps us to rediscover is is the ancient tradition that that we've always known as as Christians, as Catholics, both the East and the West in the Church, is that we pray with our whole person, like the whole the whole body prays. You know, and I think the sacraments always point to that, but it's important too, and we can get more into this when we talk about celebrating Mass at home or following along. But just your own personal prayer at home that like space matters, you know, like like space matters where you're sitting, how you're sitting, whether you're kneeling or not. Um, you know, that's why, you know, even even your breath matters, your body, your, your posture matters. Can, can you pray while you're lying down on your bed? Yes, you can. But is that is that the best place for um, for you to pray if you want to, you know, actually encounter the Lord and go deep in that relationship? Probably not. You know, you should pray when you're laying down. But there's something about for me, you know, I think about this when I'm laying down at the end of the night. and I'm like, man, I need to I, I need to get my knee on the ground and, and, and pray, you know, just a little bit. It, there's a huge difference between me praying as, as my head's on the pillow and me with my knees on the ground. So even, I mean, um, uh, Sheila, as you said that, that, you know, that breathing out and breathing in, breathing in, breathing out that prayer in a sense, it, it brings your whole body in union, not just with, with peace, not just with some sort of like, you know, you think of like, you know, all, all the, the mindfulness sort of stuff that's very popular nowadays. Those things are important, but, but that only takes you so far. Actually concentrating on your breathing actually will, will help you to feel calmer. But what we want and what we have and the treasure we have as Christians and as Catholics is that I'm mindful, but it's not just mindful of emptiness. It's mindful of a person, that person who loves me. And that's Jesus Christ. So that I'm actually centering myself when I'm holding the rosary and, I, and I'm, I'm praying because I'm actually meditating on the mysteries of the life of Jesus and being drawn into that relationship in a deeper way. And so my fear and anxiety meets his heart and actually becomes a place of profound contact. A point of encounter with the Lord can change you forever. Yeah. And, and that's what motivates so much of the, the Christian response. When we encounter Christ, we are transformed. And it's, you know, you look at the, the blind man that we just had uh, in, in the experience of the liturgy this past weekend. We were all tuning in digitally, you know, listening to the words of Holy Mother Church nurture us. And those, you know, shared the beautiful testimony of John the Beloved in the Gospel of John and the fact that this blind man who, who had his sight restored and he went and washed in the pool of Siloam and then he was dismissed by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the people in power. And then Christ went in search for him. Christ is going in search for each of you right now. And when you draw close to him, He's going to ask you the same question that he presented to the blind man. 
And what's interesting is that when the blind man realized it was Jesus who healed him, he's like, I believe. He, he totally was consumed with belief. His whole life was transformed. And not only his physical ability now to see, but spiritually to represent that spiritual insight that we have. Now our perspective is shifted completely. Now we begin to see as God sees, not based on human appearance, but now we're seeing with the eyes of God. And, and that can shift everything. Yeah, we're, we're isolated right now in a certain sense. I've always been making the point, you know, solitude is so much better than isolation because when you're with God, there is an impenetrable, there's just, there's such a depth and an unquenchable uh, space that you could really enter into so deeply with God. And, and that encounter means everything, man. everything. All right. So you st- Father Nixon, Father Michael, you started bringing up some important things and I want to get to those, but real quick, I just want to give a shout out to our sponsors. Um, I want to talk about uh, the hollow app right now. You know, we're talking about calming prayer. Hollow offers amazing resources for prayer, peacefulness. Uh, it's a medically designed app. Definitely recommend it. Um, I also want to give a shout out uh, to our sponsor, Ave Maria University. Um, just uh, our, our own Father Rich as an alumnus, testimony to how great that school and the kind of men they put out. But also it's in beautiful southern Florida. Uh, great campus, amazing programs. Uh, check them out. And then also Exodus 90, um, you know, if you're a man out there who's facing quarantine and being locked in your house, more or less right now, uh, Exodus 90 will help you contextualize all of this, help you to take these sacrifices that you're being forced to make and give them some meaning and some structure so that they're edifying for you. So hello, Exodus 90 and Ave Maria. Uh, thanks for the support and go check those out. There's links down below. I've got to say, Ave Maria University, that was the first place that I met Father Michael Nixon and Father Kevin McEwen at the introduction of our own Ryan Delacross, who set up that meeting back in the day when Ryan was still in the seminary and didn't get his butt kicked out yet. Oh, (laughs) come on. I knew this would come up. (laughs) Should have went to Ave Maria. (laughs) So I would have loved that. Hey, can we I have a, I made it through the we were together at Ave. Can we have a whole show at one point where I just get to share old Ryan Delacross stories from seminary? Please no. Monetized. Oh, you know what? You know, I've been married for what, eleven years, twelve years, something like that. There's plenty of stories to go around, Father Mike. You just had a short window of your life where you've been blessed, brother. <laughs> <laughs> All right, before we, get the, before we get kicked off for telling all the gory Delacroix story, <laughs> um, I know that Father Michael and you, Father Rich, are both offering Masses online right now, um, and that's how most people are experiencing the sacrifice of the Mass right now. So I'd like to share with everyone some tips on how they can get the most out of that experience and how to really find it, um, you know, something that's satisfying their soul in the in the lack of the ability to receive communion right now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If I can jump in on that, um, you know, just cause something unique about uh, if someone's part of a non-denominational church or, or a Protestant parish or something like that, and they might t- tune into, and I benefit from a lot of great um, preachers out there who, who preach the word at their services and, and do a great job and share it on podcasts. In a sense, the difference between the Catholic mass and one of those events is 
is the central aspect of it is not the preaching, but it's actually is, is the Lord, particularly in the Eucharist, that, that the preaching of the word of God and hearing the word of God, encountering Jesus there is leading ultimately towards encountering Jesus in the flesh and the Holy Eucharist. Um, so one of the unique challenges of people that, um, that can't make a, a sacramental uh, communion, can't receive Jesus sacramentally in the Eucharist is how do they still enter into that? So in a sense, it's, it's uh, that you're again, going back to the whole person has to pray um, and, and, and really getting the most out of it. So you can, you can listen to father rich Pagano's homilies, you know, while you're going for a run or something like that. And, and, you know, other great priests that, that are, are podcasting and stuff, but what if you really want to enter into do that are not marathon runners, what do they right, do? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or, or fail, failed marathon runners that, um, <laughs> that, that in a sense to be able to enter completely into that, you kind of have to set it, set everything else aside. So I, I can make space in my life where I'm not looking at my phone. I'm not watching Netflix and watching, you know, uh, Father Rich's uh, of mass on online that I have space. Maybe I'm lighting a candle and I'm maybe even dressing up in my Sunday best possibly. And, uh, and I'm, I'm turning everything else off. So I'm focusing in as if I were at mass so that my, my whole person can enter. And when during the consecration, I'm actually kneeling during the gospel, I'm actually standing, I'm actually saying the responses. Cause again, that our, 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 our mind and heart follow where our body leads or doesn't lead. So if, if my whole body is praying as it does at every mass, then it's going to, it's going to be more um, efficacious for us as, as we enter in and make that spiritual communion really um, make an impact on our we, lives. We had our own cry room in our, in our house. <laughs> it, it was like I converted the living room into the cry room. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I really do like those tips though. Uh, setting your space up uh, to make it as sacred as possible. Candles, uh, crucifix, some images of the saints and our lady, uh, putting on some nice clothes, you know, and doing, doing the responses, kneeling, standing during everything. Um, those are there, not just for custom. They're there to draw you into the sacrifice of the mass, um, and treating it like that. You're going to get more out of it. Um, so those are, those are awesome. Now, the, the other thing too is, is, um, you know, I was, I was in conversation with some of my men's prayer group members from San Diego who tuned into the mass and one of the brothers, Mick, was mentioning to me, he was like, you know, Father Rich, it was pretty distracting on Facebook to see all the hearts and the thumbs up and all that stuff, because, you know, visually, it was just a distraction. And YouTube is a much better platform, honestly, because you don't see a lot of the, you know, the interfering, you know, things popping up on the screen. And, that, you know, that was a really good point that he just made a couple of hours ago to me. And. And I, I really didn't think of that because I'm just celebrating the mass, you know, but it's you true. Know, I've experienced that when, when seeing that, you know, seeing people's putting their prayer petitions and saying amen and saying in with your spirit and seeing the hearts, it really kind of draws me out of me, just me in a screen. And it really puts me into the community with other people that there's people out there who are responding, suffering and participating actively. I know it's not the same. But to me, I find that kind of moving to see all these people all around the world saying, you know, Jesus, heal me, take care of my family with your and with your spirit. And I, and the word I tell you what, man, we talked we talked a lot about this shield the other day. But when we did the rosary together with the Holy Father and we had a bunch of people join us, that was one of the most moving experiences emotionally when I was looking down at everybody's prayer petitions during the rosary. I got overwhelmed like at least four or five times 
and I had to look away from the screen because I, I would have just started weeping because I was really feeling, I was really feeling the, the, the cry of everybody. And, and that's something that, that really is, is amazing as a catalyst to, to praying together in solidarity through the digital means that we have. That was, that was one of the most powerful experiences of my priesthood, having that rosary the other day. Yeah. Um, another thing is, and you, you're probably seeing this a lot out there, is making a spiritual act of communion. Uh, fathers, would you explain what that really means? What do they mean when they say, when you're watching a Mass online, to make a spiritual act of communion? Yeah, I mean, differentiated from, you know, from a... Uh, a, a sacramental communion where you're actually able to receive Jesus' body blood. It's the sort of thing that I would say for um, should be a, a more common practice for those who are unable to receive communion. And, and I, I know some great, amazing saintly people that are um, uh, are working towards getting their marriages um, convalidated and so are unable to receive um, the Eucharist. Um, some amazing people that are part of my team here at the parish that, that are going through that. And that, that's a normal thing for them. Um, a, a normal part of their prayer life is is a, is a, a um, spiritual communion, but it really is it really inviting Jesus to be the center of your life. What happens in the Eucharist, in a sense, in an objective way, um, is that Jesus becomes the literal center of your whole person. That you you receive uh, Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity into your very body, and then so in a sense, you receive Jesus more more so. He receives you. You know, he, you're drawn into his. That um, we pray for again. You know, the Lord who's not we're bound by the sacraments. He's not, you know, <laughs> you know, it's whatever graces and, 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 and spiritual realities we can receive. And, and that deep encounter with Jesus, as father, father uh, rich said um, that we, yeah, to say yes to it. And so it's a very, it's, it's a bringing, you know, bringing our own will and mind and heart and desire and opening ourselves up to receive um, that full outpouring of everything that flows from the heart of Jesus. Yeah, uh, the bishop, the bishop of our diocese, Bishop Esteva, has put out a document, and I'm sure uh, Father Nixon, you probably received something as well from Bishop Walk. But the act of spiritual communion prayer, my Jesus, I believe that you are the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. And that really speaks to the sentiments that Father Nixon was just expressing. And, you know, I've been sharing that with my brothers and sisters who, who aren't able to receive Eucharist because they're working through an annulment as well. I think that we're, we have that same uh, experience. Um, but also we had a previous show that we talked about the, the man who is now a saint who actually never received Eucharist because he had an opium addiction. Mm. And Shield, do you remember remember his name? I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But I think St. Mark, I don't want to say incorrectly. I'll look it up. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah but it's, it's just fascinating to, to realize that there are saints in heaven that, that you know, had such an encounter and belief of the Holy Eucharist but, you know, they, they didn't receive. So right now, it doesn't mean that we can't grow in holiness. Amen. You know, in all reality, we can probably grow even more hungering for the Eucharist and anticipating that wonderful reception when it comes. Yes. And Mark, when I'm receiving, and, and my, Father Michael, a really powerful point that, that really spoke to me is just, you know, how much that I take things for granted as a priest when I celebrate Mass. 
And, and now when I'm receiving Eucharist and I can't, I can't administer that to my faithful and to my, the people that I love as a priest, like that is just like super hard, man. Like, but it, it really speaks to me. Like, you know, this is the most important thing that we do as Catholics. Yeah. Yeah. It I makes guess, me I, think too, of, of great saints, you know, other saints as well. Uh, I'm thinking of, of servant of God, Walter Chizek is one of my favorite, just favorite, um, Catholic figures, particularly from the United States, a Jesuit priest who was in the, the gulags for forever. And, and his book, He Leadeth Me, is one of the just one of the greatest spiritual works I've ever encountered. Um, but where he had no bread and no wine, he would he would pray the words of consecration he, that he had memorized and uh, make that spiritual communion. And you better believe that the Lord, <laughs> that he received the Lord, you know what I'm saying? And obviously what he would, what he preferred to receive the Lord sacramentally in the Eucharist, of course, but, um, but a man who grew in tremendous holiness in a time where he was uh, physically unable to, uh, to even have the elements uh, for mass. What's and, the name, what's the name of that book, Father Michael? Say that again. Maybe we could put that in, the, in a link. Yeah. He leadeth me uh, by Walter Chizek is uh, again one of just it's his spiritual reflections from his of uh, being in the, uh, the the political prison in Lubyanka, um, tried and, and convicted of being a Vatican spy, um, and then being sentenced to the gulags in Siberia, and uh, even his time after that as well. And uh, and he has other books too, but that one just for me is 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 I always say it's the best book I've ever read. Obviously, outside of the Bible. Um, but to me, just has such an incredible impact. His spiritual reflections on on work and on on masks and on on uh, the body and all sorts of amazing things. While he's he's you know in, in slave labor and finding God's will and finding finding the presence of God in the midst of, of uh, those kind of incredible circumstances. And let me say this about Father Nixon: is Father Nixon is an avid reader. He's not on Netflix binge watching every night. Like he's one of the <laughs> out of all of my friends, I think you you read the most, man. I do. I read a lot. And uh, that's, that's, not, that's the number one book for me. So highly yeah. recommend it. So, you know, this gives you a lot of time to read and it's so much better to read something of value right now that's going to spiritually nourish you than spending so much time on Netflix and watching, catching up on all these television shows that aren't going to speak to the fear that's building up inside of you regarding this virus. So definitely an encouragement there. Thanks Father Nixon. All right, so I'll put the link for that below. I'll also put a link to that prayer, that spiritual act of communion, uh, which is by St. Alphonsus Liguori. I'll put a link to a digital prayer card uh, below for that. Um, there I'll also put some links to some indulgences that are available right now, <clears throat> particularly around the, <clears throat> the divine mercy. And um, uh, also on this Wednesday, March 25th, on the Annunciation at... Um, I'll put the link below, but worldwide, the Pope is asking for everyone to pray the Our Father at noontime of Rome time, uh, which would be, I think they're five hours from Eastern time, so like seven in the morning. I'll put the right time there, but 6 a.m. 6 a.m. So the whole- for you guys, 5 a.m. for me. Yeah. So the me whole too, world you know. is going to be praying the Our Father at that time. So there's some you know things that you could do communally right there. Um, nice. And then, Father Rich, one last thing before we get out of here. Uh, you brought up in your Mass this weekend, which I watched in mine. Um, I didn't get dressed up for. I got to admit it. I, I watched Father Mike Schmitz. <laughs> yeah, I watched. Yeah, I was watching Father Mike Schmitz. Even though I was helping you live stream yours, 
I was hey, watching. dude, I know. Listen, I accept the fact that I'm no Father Mike Schmitz, okay? <laughs> and you always say, and you also say I'm no Father Mike Nixon. I, I accept that fact. <laughs> so, look, Wally Pip, Lou Gehrig up here in the top left. Uh, he's kind of killing it on this episode, so don't call, don't call in sick because we got to replace him. Here we go. Uh, you, you were bringing up the story of St. Clair uh, of Assisi and why she became the patron saint of television. And I think that's a really important saint to recall her experience, her mystical experience, and a great way to close out this episode. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's pretty interesting when you think of the austerity or the ascetical practices of the Franciscans and the inspiration of St. Clair coming from such prosperity to live that poverty so, so courageously and to live in the 13th century. I mean, they really didn't have a lot of uh, flat screen TVs around back in the day or, or any other type of uh, technological stuff. But it was Pius XII who really identified St. Clair as the patroness of technological technological developments and communications because of her profound experience leading up to her death when she was so sick and impoverished in the flesh that she was in her cell by herself and aching inside because she was separated from the holy sacrifice of the mass. She cried out to God and the spirit of Jesus Christ, the spirit of the Lord came upon her in, in, in mercy that, that mercy of God really consumed her and gave her this mystical vision of the Holy Mass being projected on the wall of her cell. And she was able to listen to the hymns and be able to be present to the mm -hmm. sacrifice of the Mass. And that filled her with so much grace and consolation. It's really important to call on St. Clair's intercession right now. And, you know, we were talking about how you could prepare your environment how you're going to be seated, how you're going to be dressed for mass this weekend. I got a lot of people messaging me, showing me like they're in their PJs. And they said, this was my first Sunday mass in my PJs. <laughs> so, you know, like let's up up the game this okay. next weekend, you know, like, let's get dressed up. Let's sit and, and, and really create the environment of our homes, like church. Let's light a candle. Let's put up some sacred images and the cross and, and on, really hand some of these sacraments on. Will we say that again, Sean? Hang up my felt banners and get my tambourines. <laughs> and you could shave your, your muff right there and then just have side shops on. Yeah. Your own hand during the Our Father. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, St. Clair, I mean, to, to really have Pius XII identify her and for the church to celebrate, you know, such uh, the sense of, of poverty for the sake of the Lord in respect to St. Clair and, and St. Francis, right now we're experiencing poverty, poverty in the flesh, poverty in our lifestyle, the way that we're used to living. There's a lot of people in financial crisis. Suicide rates have gone up. Their, people are responding to the poverty they're experiencing culturally right now, not very well. There's a lot of despair and despondency growing in the world, a lot of fear crippling people and, and inspiring actions of great despair. We are a Easter people. We are a people led and shepherded by Jesus Christ. And he is the victor over the grave. And we're about to receive those scriptures weekend. And realize that, yeah, we're celebrating mass digitally, trying to remain quarantined and really beat this virus. And we will. 
you know, the fact that even if, even if we face our own death, why are we going to be governed by fear? We have nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. So really draw strength from the bonds of our community, really gathering around the screens at home and observing what Holy Mother Church is doing today. And I promise you, if you are willing to open yourself up to the living word of God that Father Nixon was telling, saying so much about earlier today, the gospel is still being proclaimed today. Receive that good word, that good news from Jesus risen from the dead. You know, and, and that is what needs to encourage people, especially those who are most in need. And it's important to realize, share this stuff. Share the masses that you're viewing in. If you're watching mass with Father Nixon, Father Mike Schmitz, Bishop Barron, if you're watching with any, any, your local pastor, share online. Get this out to as many Catholics and non-Catholics and people who are despairing. People are in need of something that will nurture them and speak to them a word of hope. And you may be the agent of that. So please, please, please share content like this and so much else that's going on that's good in the church. All right. So one last thing. Um, make sure you're donating and you're supporting your parish right now financially. Uh, it, they are providing services. They are keeping all their doors open. They are paying their employees or maintaining everything. And no one's there right now to support it. And it is your duty as a Catholic to support the church financially. Make sure you're doing that. If you're not sure, call your parish. They'll have someone there. They'll tell you how to do it. Very important and incredibly necessary that they continue having the ability to provide services and ministry during this time. Um, mm -hmm. So make sure you're doing that. And um, before we get out of here, uh, let's see. Father Nixon or Father Pagano, who wants to give a little blessing for everyone watching us and a little prayer to end us here? My brother, Father Nixon. All right. I'll take it. I'll take it. We invoke the intercession of St. Clair and all um, St. Dimpna as well, as well as all those saints who served and uh, even died serving victims of a plague throughout the history of the church. I think especially of, in our own country, Blessed Francis Xavier Silos. Ask all, all the angels and saints to pray with and for us and all those who watch this today. Lord God, through the hands and heart of Mary Immaculate, our mother, the intercession of all the angels and saints, pray that you fill our hearts with that peace that surpasses all understanding. Yes. We pray, Lord, for health and well-being for all those who feel isolated and scared this day. Yes. May we be encouraged by your hope and your strength and your joy. May Almighty God bless you all, Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen. Go in peace and stay in peace. And we'll see you next week on the Catholic Talk Show.